0: Actors
1: not available at all.
0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
2: Today's sermon is pre-recorded. You can be restored. You can be restored. Almighty God, I step back and ask that I not be seen, but Lord, that you would be seen. For you are the Father of us all. And there is a great work of restoration that needs to be done, not just in this house, but Lord, in this nation. I ask today by faith for that work of restoration. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. He was a man's man, he was respected. He was wealthy. He was powerful. Even the king recognized him as the best warrior in the land. He was Naaman, proud, arrogant, full of himself. He had life, he had his toys. Had he lived today, he would have had the four-wheeler, the boat. He would have had the Hummer. He would have had, you name it, he would have had it in his garage. There was just one problem. He had leprosy. So he had all of the outward symbols of power and wealth and authority. He had all of the outward respect. He was the man, but he had leprosy. Now, I'm sure he went to the doctors and they probably lied to him and said, We can take care of this. We can handle this. Just give us some time. We've just discovered some new treatments for leprosy. Don't be concerned. But leprosy was a terminal disease. There was no hope. They had no antibiotics. I suspect that he first covered it very carefully. You can see him going through his bathing rituals and then carefully salving it, bandaging it. I don't know, he might have started wearing long-sleeve robes. He had to cover it. He was considered unclean in that culture. When it became public knowledge, he would be forced to flee into the wilderness areas and live in leper colonies where men died. Leprosy was that dreaded disease that would literally eat the fingers off your hand or the nose off your face it was a horrible stench surrounding you wherever you went and anytime in public you had to shout unclean 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 this is what isaiah said when he was in the temple when he saw in that temple something that no one else saw on that day of worship He went into the temple and everything was going on as normal except he saw the glory of the Lord and the Lord's train filled the whole house. There was smoke and there was fire and the temple was trembling with the presence of God. And he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Literally in the Greek or in the Hebrew, I'm a man of leprous lips meaning I have to cover over my mouth because I have leprosy in God's presence. Well, we all know that as he cried out to the Lord about this, the Lord sent an angel to him with coals off the fire, and that coal touched his lips and his sins were atoned for with fire. Leprosy has long been a symbol of sin in Scripture. It wasn't by accident that the Lord, immediately coming out of the book of Matthew, touched a leper and healed him. So Naaman, man about town, warrior, valiant soldier of the king, has leprosy. And of course, he's describing all of us. For we will all born with leprosy, according to Paul in the book of Romans. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. James says that if you offend in one point, you've broken the entire law. And you are now subject to death you have a terminal disease called sin. There was a little girl in Naaman's household, a slave girl from Israel, and she suggested that if he would go to the prophet in Samaria, his leprosy would be healed. And this man was willing to grasp after any straw of possibility that his lifestyle would not be ripped away from him. So he went to the king. In the fifth chapter of the second book of Kings, Naaman went to his master in the fourth verse and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go. The king buys it, go. And he says, I'll write a letter to the king of Israel and tell him that you're coming. And so Naaman leaves, taking with him ten talents of silver. Well that's about seven hundred and fifty pounds of silver. Six thousand shekels of gold. About a hundred and fifty pounds of gold. Not only that, the scriptures tell us that he also brought along. Ten entire sets of clothing. The king of Israel reads the letter. I'm sending my servant Naaman to you that you may cure him of leprosy. And the king of Israel read the letter. He tore his robes and he said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Yes. I've always thought that Elijah represented the ministry of Jesus and that Elisha represents the ministry of the New Testament church. And so I can't help but think that somehow this king of Israel represents the New Testament church. And so when we hear him saying, am I God? How can I handle this? I hear echoing in the background the sound of the modern American church. We do okay as long as we're dealing with intellectual issues. We do all right as long as we're dealing with financial issues. As long as we're dealing with the bail issues, we do all right. We can handle it. We've, we've got our CEOs and we've got our treasurers and we've got our fundraisers. We can manage the church all right. But when the world begins to come to us and say, I have leprosy. Can you cure me? We think they're trying to pick a fight with us. Because everybody knows you can't cure anybody of sin. Everybody knows that you're going to be full of sin until Jesus comes, and then somehow, in the twinkling of an eye, your whole nature is changed, and now you become righteous, because it's at death that you become righteous, not at the death of Jesus. It's at your death that you become righteous. That's what the modern church teaches, that there is salvation in our death. That's when we finally leave the life of sin. To begin to imagine a pagan could come, and we could say to that pagan, you have leprosy. Go wash and be cleansed. And that person would come out of that cleansing free of sin, washed and made whole. No, we don't want to go there today. Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent his messenger. He said, why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went to him. He went to his house. He stopped out front with his, with his chariots. Now look, chariots are like trucks with glass packs. They make noise. Elijah heard him arrive in front of his house. There was no doubt. He probably had noisemakers on his wheels. Name of the Naaman is coming. <laughs> Elijah sent Gehazi out, a messenger, and he simply said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Seven is always the symbol in Scripture of perfection go wash yourself completely don't go to the Jordan River and scoop your hand and run some water over your face no, get in the Jordan and dip yourself under the water seven times, be completely washed in the Jordan your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed well, Naaman is angry Now, I don't know what this does for you in terms of friendship evangelism, but I have a problem with
3: this.
2: (laughs) You know, I thought you were supposed to just edge up on somebody, become their best buddy, and then tell them, hey, you can come to church with me. Like, of course, they're going to come to church and they're going to be confronted with their sin. No, I don't think so because we don't talk about that at church. Lifestyle evangelism does not work in the scripture. It works fine in our culture. And it works fine in our church where we're all pretty well vaccinated against the gospel. But I have to tell you today, the gospel of Jesus Christ is very offensive. It's about a cross, which was an instrument of death, not a sentimental image to wear around your neck. The cross is an instrument of execution, of torture, of death. So when we come with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we don't come with sentimentality. We come with a straight confrontation against sin to be cleansed and to be made whole. Now, this is so difficult because many people come and they've got their leprosy all covered up with nice clothing and beautiful homes and nice cars. And so we think we need to cater to that instead of simply bringing an honest message to say, hey, look, I know you've got leprosy. I know where you can get healing. I know where there's a place where you can get restoration Elijah sent this messenger. He didn't even go himself, and Naaman is angry because he already had in his mind a picture of how this was all supposed to happen.
3: Yes.
2: Verse 11, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hands over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. <laughs> aren't the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Part of what we're going to have to learn together as we begin to speak the word of God into other people's lives is that it's all right if they get mad at what we say. I've been trained all my life very carefully. Don't make anybody angry. Keep everybody happy. In fact, most of the evangelism classes that I've taught through the years have been about how to put a happy fence up. You know, today I don't have any happy fences for you. It's simply the raw understanding That no matter how carefully you try to bandage it, no matter how carefully you try to salve it, no matter how carefully you spray the deodorant around it, leprosy will kill you. Sin will kill you. Now, you can't dress it up. Because even after it's dressed up, it's still sin. There's only one way sin can be removed, and that was by Jesus Christ coming and dying on that cross of execution that his blood would be shed. Now, there's only one way you access that blood. You also go on the cross and die. That's it. There's no... Sweet smelling, pretty way. There's no sentimental process. There's no educational process. It means identifying that leprosy in my life and bringing it before Jesus Christ and recognizing that I have to die. Naaman goes off in a rage. He's headed back home. And one of his servants went to him and very kindly said, My father, now you understand why this is being spoken about today. It's Father's Day. Hear today in your heart the kind word of the Holy Spirit addressing you with love and respect addressing you with courtesy, saying to you, if I'd ask you to do something great, you would have done it. Mm -hmm. How much more when the word is wash and be cleansed? Wash and be cleansed. Naaman collected himself. He went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan River. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. That must have been a sight. That muddy Jordan River and this man of such
1: excellence.
2: You know, this man only gets in pristine water. He's sure he's going to come out dirtier than he went in. He goes down into the Jordan River. I'm sure he came up that first time and immediately checked his leprosy. Maybe he thought he could get away with once. <laughs>
3: you
2: know, part of what I'm learning to enjoy about the Holy Spirit, I use that word enjoy in a perverse sort of way. He doesn't stop dealing until he's gotten to the very bottom of the issue. The Holy Spirit never does a superficial work of redemption in a man or woman's heart. Many times I've pulled back from the Holy Spirit and said, let's not deal with that. And he very kindly says, all right. And then tomorrow he's back to deal with it. And I back away, and I say, oh, that hurts. And tomorrow he's back to deal with it. It's like my dentist. <laughs> you know, my dentist says, you know, Ray, I don't think for that tooth we're going to need any Novocaine today. I said, all right. I'm a man.
1: <laughs>
2: all right. So he starts to go after it. And he begins to hit that nerve and I begin to go uh, sinking back into that chair. And he's saying, Ray, does that hurt?
1: <laughs>
2: Sweat's pouring off my brow. He's saying, I've got just a little more. Can you just a little more? I sure, sure. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And frankly, it's that little bit at the bottom that gets us the most upset. I mean, hey, no problem. I can lay down the beer. I can lay down the, the pornography. I can lay down the lusting after money. Don't ask me to give up my bowl of ice cream every day. Don't ask me to give up my, my sense of pride in my accomplishments. Don't ask me to give up my sense of self-importance. I mean, I'm willing to give up these grosser sins. All right, you're right. I needed to get that cleaned up. I don't need that in my life. It's really destructive to my relationships. But self-esteem, that's who I am. Don't ask me to give up... Did you know there was a time when self-esteem was considered a vice? It was called pride. Well, we renamed it and we called it self-esteem. And so now somebody, I've got low self-esteem. Well, good, now let's get the rest of it. (laughs) This is where the Holy Spirit wants to come in and do the finished work. The full work. He wants to remove it all. So Naaman went down and dipped a second time, third time, fourth time. Every time he came up, I'm sure he checked. Fifth, sixth. I, I think had, had I been Naaman, I would have paused then. And I would have looked at the, the gentleman who said, why don't you go ahead and do what Elijah said. I would have showed him my leprosy, I think. And I think I would have said, when I come up out of this water, if it's not clean, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And it would have been no idle threat. I'm sure he was angry the sixth time he went in. But that seventh time he went down. And the scriptures say when he came up, his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. You notice the restoration was not to what he had been before he had leprosy. He was like a newborn. I don't know if that rings a bell for you, but it does for me. Look at the book of John, the third verse. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Unless he's gone down seven times in the Jordan, he's not going to see the kingdom of God. He can see church, but he's not going to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus counters with, how can a man be born when he's old? Oh, here we go with our intellectual questions. Explain to me the philosophic basis upon which you would dare to say this, Jesus. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Now, let's not be real philosophical about this. Let's be very practical. Could we? I was with my daughter yesterday, she's very pregnant. And, of course, when a, when a daughter is very pregnant, somehow you can be guaranteed at the dinner table in spite of all of our attempts to be civilized. The issue is going to be raised, ab- the water breaking. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the water breaking. Jesus is saying we're supposed to be born again. He's saying the first thing that happens is the water breaks what's he talking about? Those of you who are not informed on these things, the water that surrounds that baby has to break and flow out of mama before baby can be born. You were all in that water. None of you were hatched. Being born again means that that water has to break. That water has to have done its job. In the scripture, that water is for washing. So the first part of the process of entering that seventh time to be born again is the washing process must have its full work accomplished. This is what Jesus is saying. Were washed in the water. Now we refer to this in other places as being washed in the blood, but Jesus is speaking in terms of birthing. And so here he uses the terms of a birth that you know a person is about to be born again when they begin to confess their sins, they begin to repent of their sins, and the water begins to wash those sins away, and they turn aside from that way of darkness. That's the breaking of the water to indicate that now they're going to be born of the Spirit. Jesus said we have to be born of the water and we have to be born of the Spirit flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit have you been born of the water and the spirit or have you been born of the flesh Jesus answered, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying that once you are born of that water, it has broken, you are washed, you are made clean, you are born of the Spirit, you will no longer operate like a normal person in the culture. And the normal people in the culture will look at you and say, you're a strange bird. We never know what to expect from you. You don't value the things we value. You don't pursue the things we pursue. You're always going off on these crazy escapades. Like giving people money that there's no gain for me to give money to them. No longer treasuring, as, as John Wesley said, If I have six pence in my pocket when you bury me, you'll know I'm a thief and a robber. And in today's money, over $3 million went through his pockets. Tremendous resources flowed through this man. But he had no sticky fingers to hang on to those resources. He passed those resources on for the kingdom of God. The world looks at a man like that and says, that man's got to be certifiable crazy because he doesn't lust after the things that the world lusts after. He doesn't value what the world values. He doesn't have his hope in a, in a house, or in a car, or in a job, or in a, a social standing. There's something else that drives a Christian. Now, where we're struggling today is obvious. As James Dobson has done so carefully the research that indicates that there's no measurable difference in America between those who call themselves Christians and those who call themselves non-Christians. They seem to spend their money the same way. They seem to go to the same places for entertainment. They seem to value the same kinds of things. There's no measurable difference except in one area that divorce is a little higher among evangelical Christians than non-evangelical Christians. That's according to Focus on the Family. I would tell you that if that is true, and I have no reason to doubt from my own experience or to doubt the integrity of this man, Dr. Dobson, I would tell you that what we are seeing is a very clear indication that what we call church in North America has never been born again because the fruit is not there to demonstrate that we are any different than the world. There has to be, dramatic difference between everything we treasure and love and everything we pursue. Our whole lifestyle is no longer that of the world. It is that of Jesus Christ. It is that of righteousness. The gifts of the Spirit are being produced, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, mercy. These are the gifts of the Spirit that have to be overwhelmingly evident in our lives if we're to call ourselves born again how can this be nicodemus asks jesus says in verse uh, this is chapter 10 of the book of john verse 10 you're a teacher you're you're an is you're a teacher in israel and you don't know this then he begins to speak about the son of man being lifted up in verse 15 that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life Or verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and he will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. In other words, he will not come into the light because if he does, his leprosy will be made plain to everybody. This is why James, speaking about this issue, said... Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another and you will be healed. He could have said, pray for one another and you'll be born again. That's what Jesus is saying. See, we have so simplified coming to Jesus Christ that we have imagined that a pagan could come down the aisle, say, yes, I want to receive Jesus Christ. I accept him. Now I'm saved. Thank you. No, it hasn't even begun yet, the washing. You're, you're down one time in the water, maybe. Now you're going to have to go the rest of the seven times. <laughs> yes, Lord. I'm so grateful for this because so many times I have hoped it could be instantaneous.
1: Yes, the system.
2: Have any of you just wished you could wake up one morning and all sin would be gone from your life? Have you ever prayed and said, Lord, just take it away. Just zap me and let me be different. No, he says, no, go ahead and do the seven times. Get washed, get clean. Now, theologically, I'm sure that we could find a basis, a very strong basis for saying that it can be just a one-time deal and it's all taken care of. But practically, hasn't been that way in my life. Has it been that way in your life? No. And today, the gratitude of my heart is that the Lord did not cast me out after the fourth or fifth time down under the water or the 20th or 30th time down under the water I'm very grateful to the Lord for that that's kindness and that's mercy you know going down under the water is the symbol of dying baptism of course you know the problem is Staying under that water long enough until we're changed. Until we're transformed into the likeness of Christ. We keep wanting to get up out of the water quick. There's one more scripture I'd like to share with you. It's Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Let me just read the scripture in context so you'll understand clearly where we're coming from i don't want to take anything out of context the fourth chapter of the book of ephesians i'll begin reading with verse 17 so i tell you this and insist on it or demand it in the lord that you must no longer live as the gentiles do in the futility of their thinking They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put On the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness this work of righteousness is in one sense what God does to us that gift of righteousness pours into us it's not something that we do through self-help But there is a role that we must play. There is a choosing in our hearts to put off that old self. We've spoken about this many times, but let me just try to lay it out in review once more. The way you can tell whether you have been born again is whether you have the power to choose not to walk in rebellion against God. A pagan does not have that choice. A pagan is going to rebel against God. The sin is going to capture them and carry them away. If it's gambling, they have no recourse. They are going to go and do it again and again until they've destroyed their family's finance. If it's pornography, they're going to go back again and again until finally they'll even destroy their marriage. They have no power to resist it. If it's lying, they will continue to lie. If it's stealing... They may not steal when they're going to get caught, but give them a chance and they will steal because it's in them. They don't have a choice about that. But when a person is born again, they have been now given by God the grace to say no to unholiness and ungodliness. They now have been given the power of God to dwell in them and they no longer have to submit to that temptation, to that demand from darkness. They now can say no in the name of Jesus and by his blood. I will not walk that way. And so Paul to the church at Ephesus is saying, exercise the power that the Holy Spirit has given you and stand by faith that this thing is finished and I'm not going to walk in it again. It's over. It's done by grace in Jesus Christ. It's covered. Now, if you today do not have the power to say no to the sin in your life, then you've not been born again. If you do have the power to say no and you're continuing to say yes, you are on thin ice And you will slowly be given over to the hardening of your heart until you will have no ability to turn back to Jesus Christ and you will once more be like a hardened sinner. That's what the book of Ephesians teaches us. That one who was once born of the water and of the spirit can choose to turn away. Now, I don't know the equations for how God judges this. I know that we're told in the book of Hebrews that it's a person who has walked fully into Jesus Christ and who then turns his back can never repent. But none of us have walked there. None of us in this house have walked in the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus and in the fullness of the Spirit of God. So today is still the day of salvation for us. None of us have committed the unpardonable sin in saying that the work of the spirit is the work of the devil. We haven't done that. So don't let Satan come and lie to you about this. Today is the day of salvation for all of us. Thank you. you. But the question is, is that leprosy still clinging to you in spite of you having been given the right to dip seven times and to be utterly cleansed and made whole? Have you stopped on that fourth or fifth dip and you're saying, I don't want to do the rest. Maybe I can find a way through this without totally giving my life over to Jesus Christ. That's a terrifying place to be in because once you're in that position and you begin to pull back from Jesus and you begin to institutionalize your religion, so now you are a religionist, you slowly have a heart that becomes harder and harder toward Jesus Christ. And the fresh newness of his presence is lost. And you now begin to read the scriptures and you read either intellectually or you just... Find it tastes like cardboard and you have no interest in it. Instead, you pursue other interests that you may hold in your life. And so today, are we a house of leprosy? Are we a house of having been utterly restored? What is the testimony of your life? What is the testimony of your witness? Do you bear witness everywhere you go that, hey, we're all sinners just doing the best we can do? You're like the world? Or do you bear testimony? I now walk in righteousness before God. I have the power of the spirit in my life. Would you like to be set free of the leprosy in your life? I used to love this saying, you know, we're all just beggars. I found a place where there's some bread. So come with me. I'm a beggar going with you to get bread. No, I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm a child of the king. I live in the household of the Lord. There is bread in Bethlehem. I now dwell in Bethlehem. I can no longer claim to be like you who were in the world. I'm not. I've been changed and transformed by the glory of God. So now there's something new and powerful flowing in me called the Holy Spirit. Do you have that testimony in your life? Each of us has to identify today where we are in this process of coming into the fullness of Jesus Christ. But let there be no doubt we are being called to come into the fullness of Jesus Christ. A place of joy and peace. A place where Baal worship no longer has any interest to us. We no longer provide for ourselves. We are simply on assignment from Jesus Christ wherever we go, carrying with us the gospel of peace, touching lives in whatever way possible, as directed by the Holy Spirit to call them out of darkness and into the light. If a medical examination were done of your life today, what would the doctor Jesus find? Would he find you clean with newborn skin? Or would he find you leprous and dying? Lord God, mighty King of Israel, I choose to walk in you, my Lord, to be filled with your spirit, I ask, Lord, today, would you deal with the leprosy that you find in this house? Lord, I choose to put off the old self, to no longer grant it any power or authority, to be made new in my mind and in my body. Lord, I pray that every man and woman in this house will bear the same testimony. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
3: God of light, take away the dark of night. Fill me with your pure delight. Touch me with you. as your children pray. Take me as I am. Healer of my heart. lover of my soul. Maker of the stars, the earth, the sky. Come and make me whole. Savior of this world, my voice praises you.